really excited about what I'm going to minister to you. Um, I did title it Obey Who. Yeah. Obey Who. Think about it. In Exodus chapter 5, I'm getting a lot of um, uh, scriptures, a lot of texts out of. I'm really uh, absorbing myself lately in Moses and Pharaoh. Man, there's so much good stuff in that. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1 said, And after Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? Think about that. That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither do will I let Israel go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee. Three days journey in the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and with the sword. Dear Lord, I love you. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your people that are here today that love you. And God, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move and to be with me. Help me, dear Lord, as I minister your word to your people. God, I'm going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? amen. You may be seated. Pharaoh was a mighty, mighty, mighty man. Pharaoh was a mighty, mighty, mighty man. Pharaoh was known at that day as the son of the sun, S-U-N, God, Ray. Um, it's amazing we say sun rays, but... Son, God, Ray. Uh, it gave him a relationship, being the son of the sun God, it gave him a relationship to all the other gods that existed. The moon God, the, the wind God, the sea God, whatever there was. Um, they wasn't sure who God was like we do, but so they had to have many gods to make sure that they did not anger the God that was the real true God. But uh, the Egyptians had a, approximately 2,000 gods in their, uh, in their category that they worshipped and that they served. Pharaoh was the son of the sun god. Pharaoh abided by no set of rules. He had no set of rules. He had nothing to govern him. In politics today, we have things to where when somebody gets out of line, at least they can be straightened up. But Pharaoh had none of that. He could say to, uh, um, I was looking for couples today, but we, we, everybody, there are no couples in here today. He could say to Mark, you're done, you're gone. And if Bonnie made a whipper, she was gone too. And nobody could say anything or do anything about it. He could make a rule up and then he could change it and break it. Praise the Lord. Almost sounds like an occult. But he could do it, and nobody was there to stop him. Nobody on this earth could ever stop him. He was tremendously feared, praise God. Uh, and, and so in his head, he believed he was the God, son of a sun God, and that he was God. He Believed it, he worked it. Can you imagine what went on between his two ears in, in that mind? Thinking that I'm God. If he ever had an ache and a pain, did he ever think, you know, uh, you know, I could take care of this? And 
not only, praise God, he did that. He, he could think like that. Amen. But others around him believed the same way. He had them convinced that he was like this. I had a friend one time who his precinct was over the state of Ohio. And uh, he had to help um, a um, chief in a certain small town uh, with a case. And he drove to this town and he sat in this chief's office. And he said to the chief, he said, uh, Bob, I'll just make up a name, Bob. And Bob raised his hand and said, it's Chief Bob. And I said to him, I said, why didn't you just bust out laughing, fall out of your chair laughing, holding your side laughing? Chief Bob. I'm Chief Bob. You call me Chief Bob. And he wasn't even an Indian. Chief Bob. Praise God. And he said to me, he just simply looked over at me. And this man had some power in the state of Ohio. He just looked at me and he said, he said, some people in that town thought he was God. I had to get out of town. And this, this, these Egyptians thought that Pharaoh was God. They could not cross him in any form or any manner. And, you know, you can get people in that state of mind. Um, William O'Hara, and the reason that name is familiar to you is Madeline O'Hara was his uh, mother, Madeline O'Hara, was the one that was the atheist that took prayer out of the schools. In William O'Hara's book, he wrote that one day his mother put, his, put him and his siblings up against the, um, uh, the, the windows, and then they went out and they looked as Madeline O'Hara walked out into a thunderstorm and hollered, if there's a God in heaven, strike me dead. Now, I've told you before what I would do. Um, <laughs> I'd have me a lot of fun. She probably wouldn't have any hair like I don't by the time she got in the house. But you see, you cannot make intimidate God in any way. You'll never intimidate God. And so here's a Pharaoh who believes that he's a God. And here's a God who is really God. And he's letting Pharaoh go on with this thing. Think about that. He's allowing him, praise God, to, you know, get into this situation. Could you imagine God, and I'm telling you, Moses knew this. He was raised in this. He knew the mindset of the Egyptians. He knew what he was walking into. That's why when God tried to say, hey, I want you to go down and talk to Pharaoh. From that point on, Moses was going to pull everything out that he could. Even that I'm a crazy guy and I've been in an insane asylum. To get out of going down there. Because he knew the mentality of Pharaoh. He knew the mentality around Pharaoh. He knew what he was walking into. Could you imagine God telling him, I want you to go down and I want you to deal with this kind 
of deal. Because you remember, you got to remember, Moses was a shepherd, and God says, what is that in your hand? It is a rod. And he says, I want you to take that with you down to Egypt. And I want you to carry that in to Pharaoh. Well, you got to understand something. To the Egyptians, sheep herders and sheep people was an abomination. They hated that. So God not only told Moses that he wanted him to go in there, but he told him he wanted to carry a shepherd's tool with him. Moses, or Pharaoh, in his mentality, looked at them as the lowest of lowest. As he observed from his palace, all the slaves working. Pharaoh was of the mentality, I've got to be God. Because they can do nothing to stop me. I am up here. And they are down there. I dealt years from years. I dealt with people with that kind of stuff between their head, where their mentality. I've had people say to me, "I don't get back to you because you are not important to me." <laughs> and I, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't. It just. It it bothers me that they would be so screwed up. That's the way it bothers me. But it just amazes me how that we can have the mentality in this life. That because one person is, one person can be the king and the next has to be servants. And what makes the difference between the servants and the king? And, and it's just, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy mentality to me. But Pharaoh looked out over everyone. And in Pharaoh's mind, he was something. He was God because he is in the throne and they are in the mud. And that's the mentality. That's the thinking. You see, amen. And so Pharaoh is like, I'm God. And the Hebrew God is nothing. Or you are nothing. Because if your God was God, you would be sitting on the throne. And I would be in the fields. And you see, we... We, we look at that, but we understand, right? You, you understand what's going on. We know the book, right? We understand God's God. Did y'all go to sleep on me out there? At least nod your head. At least nod off. That way I'll know you're alive, okay? Praise God. But we know God's God, don't we? Amen. Y'all afraid of me like I'm going to, like I asked for $1,000 or something. Come on. Praise God. We know God's God. But you see, we get in the same situation and we look at our surroundings and then we wonder if God is really in control. We think, oh, if God was really in control, I wouldn't be suffering with what I'm suffering with. I knew I was getting you in a trap and you know me better than that. You know I got you in a trap. You're in a trap now. Talk about a trap. I got a squirrel in my lower garage. Praise God. 
And I can't, most of the time I can make him frustrated till they leave, but I can't make him leave. So I put a trap out. It's been 10 times he's got the bait and not trapped the trap. It is very frustrating. He's a very smart squirrel. But I got you in the trap. And so I went from 10 peanuts getting into the trap to I'm down to one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. He's got to get one at a time. One of these days that trap's going to go, Psst, and I'm going to take him to your house and let him loose. Praise God. But anyways, I got you in the trap. And that is sometimes we think just like he, he, like these Israelites are thinking. Praise God. But I was just kind of wondering, how did Moses ever get to get to the throne room of Pharaoh? Do you ever think about that? He's carrying a shepherd's, an abomination to every Egyptian. And he's walking down the quarters of Pharaoh's kingdom. Pharaoh, I'm sure, was a heavily guarded, uh, guarded king or master or whatever. How did he? You know, the Bible's quiet on that, but God has his way of doing things. God has his way of opening the doors. If God wanted you to witness to the president of the United States, he could make a door for you to get there. He could make a way. He made a way for Moses to get there. Praise the Lord. He made a way. Amen. Could you imagine Moses and Aaron saying to Pharaoh, looking at Pharaoh and saying to him, Amen, thus saith the Lord of Israel, let my people go. Can you imagine Pharaoh standing there in front of everyone that he's messed up in his mind thinking that he is somehow is the son of a son, S-U-N, and that he is a God, and that he makes everything exist. And to the Egyptians, the highest swear, when they swore upon something, they swore on the life of Pharaoh, that somehow he had complete control, and all these people that he told to do, whatever he told to do, and the reason that Egypt, that Egypt, was so prosperous, was because of Pharaoh. And, you know, we think today the reason that the world is so prosperous or unprosperous is because of a president. I got news for you. That's not true. One man in an office does not control the billions of people that exist. God is still in control. He knows how to bless and he knows how to withhold. But these people thought that Pharaoh was in control of it all. And they thought, and so here's a man by the name of Moses who was exiled. If anybody knew his history, they knew he was supposed to be in his place. But he was exiled because he turned on Egypt. And he's standing there. He's got the gall to stand there as a shepherd with a shepherd tool. 
in the middle, an abominable thing in the middle of my palace. And he's looking at me and he's telling me that I got to let my servants go. It was only the hand of God that kept Pharaoh back. It was only the hand of God that caused Pharaoh, praise the Lord, not to say, off with their heads. He could have done it. Nobody, Most of them in there would have agreed. But now God is standing up against this supposedly God. Praise the Lord. It was a direct order to Pharaoh who answers to no one. I could imagine you could have heard a pin drop at that time. Praise the Lord. Although later God had told Moses in verse chapter 7, verse 1, he said to Moses, he said, I'm going to make you a God to Pharaoh. In the mind of Pharaoh, now he's going to look at Moses and look at him as a God. But right now, he, he was, Moses was the farthest thing from God. But you got to notice Pharaoh's response. His response was, who is this Lord? Who is this God? Now, he knew the Hebrew God. But in the mind of Pharaoh, he could not be much of a God or Israel would not be in the state they're in. And once again, we're not too far from that logic ourselves. We think, oh, if God was God, I would not be struggling like I'm struggling. And I'm sure that Israel did the same thing in the fact that they thought, if our God, the Hebrew God, the God that talked to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if he was really God, why would we be struggling like we are? Praise God. And so Pharaoh, he... You know, he felt like that. Israel felt like that. The Egyptians felt like that. Amen. And we live in the same world, same thing, same struggle with the same thing. You know, if God's really God, why is there not big revival? If God's really God, why does he allow the devil to push as far as he pushes? Why does he give him as much control? Why don't he just flatten him and lay him out? If he's God... Praise the Lord. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Praise God. And let Israel go. I know not the Lord. Neither will I let Israel go. I could see Pharaoh standing looking at Moses and Aaron and, and, and saying that. And I could imagine the rest of the place chuckling. And I could imagine the people on the sidelines saying, Amen, this, let's have a bet. Yeah. One to ten chances. One, let's at least give Moses one chance and Pharaoh ten. Come on, or vice versa. I'm not a betting man. not sure how that works. Shouldn't have probably said it, but did. Anyways, oh, man. Yeah. Praise the Lord. 
I was sitting on the side of the bed one day talking to somebody, and he wanted to sleep and come back. He said, I'm so sorry. It's this medicine. I said, don't worry about it. I put my people to sleep all the time while I'm teaching them. Praise God. Y'all just relax today, aren't you? Most preachers, they'd find that offensive, but I just, I take it as a compliment because you guys are so comfortable with me that you just sit there and relax. But Pharaoh just thought he had it all. Praise God. Notice that, that God did not destroy Pharaoh. He, he, he didn't wipe him off. He didn't say, you're done. And wipe him off the face of the earth. He didn't do that to him. Praise God. You see, because God is a God of love. Amen. God did not immediately launch his judgments on Pharaoh. He is a graceful God before he's a judgmental God. God was 120 years in the making of Noah's Ark before he sent the flood. For 120 years, the Bible said Noah preached, and then he built the ark. He preached, and then he built the ark. He preached, and then he built the ark. For 120 years, praise God, he did that. Amen. And he preached. Israel. The prophets pleaded and begged and God wrote scriptures. You can read it in the Old Testament about how you need to be right with God. But Israel would not do it. In our day, God's doing the same thing. Preachers are preaching. The word of God is going out. Preachers are reaching out. They're trying to win. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ecclesiastes 8 and 11 says... Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the Son of Men is full, set in them to do evil. Because people can get away, from thing, get away with things. Praise the Lord. Then the sentence of God, amen, is, is not there. You see, God wants us to live for him because we love him. He wants us to live for him because we love him. Think about that. Amen. He did not preach. Noah did not preach. Get in the ark. He preached repentance. You see, God doesn't want people... Amen. When it come to Cain, for instance, let me give you that example. When it come to Cain, God, amen, said to Cain, he said, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? It wasn't until he said, I'm going to put a curse on you. Cain was like, Cain did not want to live for God. Cain just did not want the curse. Praise God. In the fact of Noah, God didn't want them getting in the ark and surviving life. That was not the most important part. God wanted to keep them so that the life could go on. But the most important part was that they lived for God. So God, amen, had, had Noah preach repentance. 
You see, God don't want us going to heaven because we want to miss hell. Preachers that preach on hell. It's a wonderful thing to preach on, and it's a real thing, and people are going to go there, and they're going to spend eternity there. Hell is a real thing. But God doesn't want you to live for him because you don't want to go to hell. He wants you to live for him because you love him. Praise God. God wants you to live for him. So when God is gracious, God is good. You know, if we don't make heaven and we go to hell, in our minds, we're going to remember all the times we had a chance to make it right. All the times. But after Moses and Aaron said to Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Pharaoh showed his true colors. Pharaoh showed his two colors when he said, who is the Lord? It's the same thing we deal with today. God says, repent, be baptized, come to him. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And people are like, who is the Lord that I should obey that? It started out in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, Eve said, who is the Lord that I should obey that? Praise God. That's what the crook of salvation is on. Is who am I going to obey? Praise the Lord. Living for the Lord is obeying the Lord. You know, we are so interested in repentance, baptism, and Holy Ghost. But when it comes to saying things we shouldn't say or running our mouth, it carries the same weight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Pharaoh was quick to stand up against God. You know, I think this is neat. I'm going to add this in. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Moses made a demand. In chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said, Now you will see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. In chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Pharaoh will see you as a God. I just thought it was neat. I know chapters and verses are divided by, you know, man, although it's not wrong. It just helps us to pick a point. Praise God. But let's look at this. In chapter 7 and verse 4, it says, But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine enemies. And bring forth mine enemies. Armies. And my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon the Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. You know, they brought a man that was blind to the Lord or had been blind, and they said, Who, why is this man blind? And the Lord looked at the blind man, and he simply said unto him that the works of God might be revealed. Now, if we look at our life, and our life was the type of life that we would never get sick, we would never, you know, have financial problems, we would never struggle, we would never have mental problems or whatever, why would we ever need a God? Why would we ever need a God to show us that He's God? Where would be the examples? 
If we were never healed of cancer, if we've never struggled, if we've never struggled in our mind over a situation and God has helped us to overcome that, where would we ever have proof of a God that existed? Some of you are saying, I could do without the proof right now. But you see, Israel... And, and, and this is another thing. Praise God. you got to think about the Israelites and how they were thinking. The key part of this whole thing was obey. God wanted Israel to obey him. God wanted Pharaoh to obey him. And when Pharaoh says, if, if Pharaoh was really a god, if, 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 if Pharaoh in his mind is saying, if, if the, if the Hebrews actually had a God, why are they slaves? Praise the Lord. I'm in complete control of them. I can call one of them up. I can take their lives. You know, if anything I struggle with is the fact that someone can go off, go and take somebody who is innocent's life, and walk away and has the power to do that. Somebody could be mad at me, decide they're going to wipe me off the earth. And come and take me out. And I'm gone. I have no choice. I have no vote. Nobody around me does. You look at that and you think, and this is the way Pharaoh thought. I can do whatever I want to to these people. And their God cannot do anything about it. That's the way he thought. But you see, what we've got to understand is this life is not what it's all about. We're getting ready for a life to come. If God wants to stop somebody from killing me, he can cause the gun to misfire. Praise God. He can. He can stop. He could cause them to have an accident. He can cause... Somehow it to stop a phone call or whatever. But this Pharaoh's thinking, I got control here. If he is able to do what he wants, he must be God. So he says, I'll tell you what the control of the matter is. I'll take control. And that is what I'll do is, hey man, I'll cause them to have to get their own straw. And then all of a sudden, he meant before you know it, the Israelites are told, you got to get your own straw now and make the same amount of bricks. What? And so the, ta- the, uh, the supervisors go to Pharaoh and they say, what are you doing? Well, you got extra time. You want to go out in the desert somewhere and you want to worship your God. Yeah, a man by the name of Moses and Aaron come in here. He's your leader. He's not our leader. Well, he's your leader. Go. I don't want to hear it. You see, first of all, they should have never tried to take care of the situation themselves. They should have let God take care of it. If they would have, I mean, I understand they were under the situation, but they made 
and more secure that Pharaoh was going to do that because now he's not only up against Pharaoh and Moses, but he's up against the Israelites. You see, sometimes we take things into our own hands and we mess it up. Praise God. We're better than trying to, it's better for us rather than to say something or make a decision. Check with God first. So what do you think, God? What do you think I ought to do? They never did that. Second of all, they did not want to be under the rulership of the Egyptians, but they did not want to pay the price to get out. You see, we, sometimes we want a car, boat, motor, house, whatever, but we're not willing to pay the price. We're not willing to do the work. See, the Israelites, on one hand, were like, God, get us out of here. And on the other hand, they're like, God, but I don't want to pay the price. You know, my son said, I don't know when you're ever going to use this, but maybe you will use it. And here it is. It, he told me a situation. It was George Richard. He said, a mother and a, a boy was walking along the shore one day, and all of a sudden, a big wave come up and took the boy out into the ocean. And the mother's screaming, God, 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 bring the boy back. Bring the boy back. Just whatever you do, bring the boy back. Just then, he meant another big wave came and tossed him out on the shore and she picked him up and he was alive and he was okay. And so then she looked up at God and said, God, he had a hat. And that's the way Amen. We are. Israel, I'm telling you, God could be frustrated. We want something, but we don't want to pay the price for it. We want salvation, but we don't want to pay the price for it. We want to go to heaven, but we don't want to pay the price for it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So he told him, he said, make your own straw. You see, this is the way that God, the devil, will do to a child of God. Anytime you get closer to the Lord, the devil's going to turn up the heat. The closer you get to God, the more the devil's going to turn up the heat. The question is, is what you're getting from God worth the price you're going to pay? See, the Israelites wanted to deliver it out of Egypt, but they didn't want to have to go through the sufferings. They didn't want to have to go through the inconveniences of now having to make just as many brick, but get your own straw. They couldn't trust God that God was going to get them out of there and that this was the path to get them out of there. Praise God. Amen. The Israelites were not sure of their desire of leaving Egypt. You see, because there's a price to pay. Because later, get a load of this. Later in Exodus 14 and 11, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us from out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone? that we may serve the Egyptians. 
For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? Or is it possible as human beings, I'm talking about myself too, that we can be so short-sighted that no matter what situation we're in, we'll always complain to God. They complained in Egypt. And when they got out of Egypt, you know, I got to tell you a story. Your wife would, would understand this. I used to do a high rise. And uh, I did a high rise. And uh, it was, I think it was 20 apartments. It was seven stories. And we would go down. We did it in one day. And uh, I walked into the manager's office, and the weather was not good that day. And I said to the manager, I said, um, it's going to rain all day. If we had a little bit of rain, we'd do it. But I said, it's going to rain all day. And she said, that's fine. Let's cancel. So I got to the door. I opened the door, and there was the, one of the old elderlies. This was an older apartment complex. It was only, you had to be um, 90 or older to get in. Just kidding. But anyways, I opened the door. It was like 60s, I think, or more to get in. And this woman faced me off. She's like, I, you're not going to do it in the rain, are you? And I said, no. Her face changed. What do you mean you're not going to do it in the rain? I moved everything. And it's just the same way with God. He, you, God's just never, people are never going to be happy with God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. But they're, now they're complaining. Later, they were complaining to Moses, why didn't you let us die in there? I could imagine Moses saying, you know what, God? You could have passed the part where you met me at the burning bush. I could imagine that. Praise God. And so, I mean, all the things that Moses went through, no wonder he was a great man. Praise God. And to us, why is it that it's always better on the other side? They've got it better. We're always comparing ourselves with other people. They got it better. Their such and such is better than mine. Their mate is better than mine. Their, their car is better than mine. Their animal is better. We're constantly comparing with other people. And why is it that the Israelites were like, it would be better to be out of Egypt. But when they get out of Egypt, they're like, it would have been better to be back in Egypt. We do the same thing. We can look at them and be judgmental. But we do the same thing. Praise God. Philippians 2 and 13 says... For it is God which worketh in both to will and to do his good pleasure. It is God which worketh to do both his will and good, his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputes. I got a little story running through my head. I got to tell you, okay? I, I said, Lord, maybe I'm just too much kidding, but th- you, you'll love this one. That same complex, that seven-story complex, Freedom One Apartments, I, I used to do the entryways. And I was doing the entryways one time, and there was a bunch of ladies down there. And they were complaining about, you're doing the windows, and it's going to rain. You're doing the windows, it's going to rain. Finally, I turned, and I said, I'm not here to do the windows, okay? And they was like, okay. 
I said, I'm here so you'll complain about me and leave the management alone. Your wife would love that one. Praise God. I told Phyllis afterwards, I said, Phyllis, I think I got myself in trouble. She said, well, oh, George, she was a wonderful woman, wonderful woman. What'd you do? I told her what I did. She laughed. She said, George, these women would not be happy if God himself came down and washed their windows. Praise God. But why is it we complain? Why is it we always murmur? God, why? Why? We got so much. We're so blessed. We got so many things. And we're like, why, God? What I don't have. What I've got to struggle with. We're not in a concentration camp. We don't, we're not having our family killed off. But yet today, we'll ask God, why do I have to have a flat tire? And you know what the Lord could say? Because you had to have a car. Why? Why? And these people murmured, God, why? But we've got to understand, God is working in our lives to prepare us for what's to come. Every day, God is getting you ready for tomorrow. Every day, God is getting you ready for what you're going to face tomorrow as you're growing up. When children are born, we put them through school. Why? So that they're able to face the world. School is a preparation for working in a job. Praise the Lord. And it's the same way God is preparing us. Every day God's preparing us and getting us ready. And we need to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the flat tire. Thank you, Lord, for the red light. Thank you for the person that's sitting like yesterday for five minutes waiting for somebody to load their car so that they could have their parking spot. And you can't get away because there's somebody waiting behind you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you just, you got to say thank you. Praise the Lord. Because the Lord is working in their lives. And you know, you may say yes to holiness. You may say yes to the things of the word of the Lord. But if you do not say yes to the things that God has allowed to come down your path. Now there's a difference. I've told people before. The Bible says the Lord won't put more on you than you can bear. But there's a subclause to that. And that is sometimes we put more on ourselves than we can bear. And so, amen. You can't put more on you than you can bear. But the Lord is not going to put more on you than you can bear. And when God does that, there is a purpose in it. There's a reason for it. I'm going to close with this. There was a man that came out of the woods one day, and he had cuckleburls all over his clothes. And pulling them off, he says, there's got to be a purpose for this. God wouldn't have made it if there wasn't a purpose for it. And he invented Velcro. Praise God. Let's stand. Remember service tonight, prayer at 6. Amen. Service at 6.30. Let's come. And let's have a great time in the Lord. Lord, we love you, God, and praise you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and uh, let us depart from this place, but not your presence. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise, glory, and honor in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?